This is the panel at Southeast Game Exchange. There's three of us in here with me. There's three people, but we're four people. All right, five people. All right. Um, so what I'm going to do is this is the very first panel of the convention, which means there's not going to be a ton of people because they're all shopping. Everybody's shopping. But we're going to talk Switch. Um, I run Premium Edition Games. I am a co-founder as well as the chief creative officer. So I make all the stuff, make all of the things. Um, and so what we're going to talk about is how I'm changing the way that I publish um, because I got approved by Nintendo to publish Switch stuff, um, but I'm doing it modern retro style. Because over the years, and I'll go a little bit about my history, over the years, um, I always tailor everything in the 90s, the late 80s, early 90s. That's what I enjoy doing. So now when I do the Switch stuff, I'm doing a different beast. And I mean, you can tell even just from some of the boxes, we got some Konami aesthetics, Capcom aesthetics. There's a black box style for our first box that we did. Like, it's just interesting things that we're doing here with Premium. Um, so... First things first, I'm Jeffrey Wittenhagen, um, an author and publisher also at Hagen's Alley Books. I've been publishing for 10 years, physical books. Um, here at the convention, I have a few of my books. I only brought a couple of each, uh, but you can flip through them, check them out. They're for sale, of course, but like once they're gone, I think the Switch Collector that I did, I uh, already sold out. Um, I only brought three, though, because that's all that's available <laughs> left. Um, but last year, Nintendo said we could publish for the Switch. So myself and JP Switch Mania decided to go all in on it. Um, I knew I could make everything a reality because I've been doing it for 10 years in the book space. I just had to build a resource, that, the interest, and get eyes on it so that way people could see what we're doing. Uh, being a startup in the Switch, we all know about the Warren Collector situation. If you don't, uh, they took a lot of people's money in the second year of the Switch and then in the third year just went silent and they never even reimbursed. Then you had physicality, which was last year, they decided, okay, we can't make this happen, we're not getting the pre-orders we need. So then they reimbursed everybody money, but they couldn't make it happen. So people are weary when it comes to the Switch physical publishing side um, and going into a new company. So I knew that we had to kind of make it happen with our first two releases and get out to people. And I did a few different aspects where we, we call all of our regular editions, our, our retail, we call them a premium edition. And that was actually our Switch, uh, one of our uh, members of the team, Barry, who's also on the Switch Mania Playcast, he said, his wife said, you're premium edition games, you can't do anything regular. So it's a premium edition, <laughs> so that's why it is. Um, so everyone that we do, um, and we've changed it a little bit, and I'll talk about it when we talk the second series of our releases, but in the first series, every game comes with a slipcase, and then inside is an NES sleeve. And so, but the NES sleeve, the idea was, okay, so you get it, but this NES sleeve makes it a box, essentially. But when you pull this out, it's a red NES switch sleeve, it gives you an extra spine, I got an extra short spine with some other art on the side. And it does all that. The other piece that we do is we try not to replicate art and any piece if we can avoid it. Um, all of our slip cases are done by Paul E. Niemeyer, who did the Mortal Kombat logo as well as a bunch of Pac-Man stuff and a bunch of movie posters and things such as Jaws. So Paul Niemeyer, he's doing all of our slip cases um, for the premium editions. And then we do expanded editions. So when you go to the table, you're going to see that we have the retro edition of Pigeon Dev sitting there, which comes with the steelbook inside. 
Uh, we're not gonna do a steelbook with every release, but with Super Blood Hockey, you're gonna see that there is a retro upgrade. It's the only time that's gonna happen. We didn't realize that that was gonna be the only title without a retro edition. And I'm like, I'm not gonna for force the customers to rebuy the game to get our retro. So we're like, let's just do a $20 sealed upgrade. It has a comic book. Um, and those that don't know, the the retail, which I don't have these open, so I don't I can't show you all, but um, I got one on the table. Um, the artwork on the retro case, as well as the artwork here, and the comic book is done by Sean Daly, who did the music in the game, but he's a comic book artist. And he did the cover for the last running, the new TMNT series, the third one, he did a variant cover of that too. So he actually has a, a TMNT cover as well. And then he did a full comic book that does like al almost a, it's a prequel to how Super Blood Hockey, the Blood League started in it. So there's like a little lore behind Super Blood Hockey. Super Blood Hockey looks like NES ice hockey, by the way, just with gold. And you just beat the crap out of each other. Um, the other piece that we do now in our premium editions, before I go too far off the tangent, inside it's double-sided printing. So you're going to get Switch games and you see it's white on the inside. We're not doing that. We're going to have artwork on the inside. There's a little secret behind the one in Super Blood Hockey. When you pull the cartridge out, there's another dead body under there. <laughs> like we, we're doing little secrets and stuff in there. Um, we have full-color manuals. Now I'm designing the manuals. So I designed the manual. What, what game do you think I designed the manual for Super Blood Hockey after? And I literally have the NES manual, and I was like, all right, let me get the aesthetics from that. Let me get the same you know, orientation on the font, everything. I tried to make it look as close as possible. And Nintendo approves it all. So Nintendo, the only thing they wouldn't approve is, I said, do not lick the cartridge, like blow on the cartridge back in the day. I said, don't lick the cartridge. They wouldn't let me keep that in there. <laughs> Other than that, they approved everything in all of our releases. Um, and the seal of quality. I wanted the seal of quality in our boxes. They said no. <laughs> like, I was like, they did that back in the day. Let me do it. And they wouldn't let me. I went back and forth with them for like a month, just trying to get them to approve me to do things. Um, also inside there, though, besides for the manual, we have a challenge card. So instead of doing trading cards like some of the companies do, on the back of ours, it says, challenge, take a life in super blood hockey. And when you do it, you follow the instructions. You post our hashtags that we have on the card. And we mail you a patch like Activision did back in the day. And that's our achievement system, essentially, because the Switch don't have achievements. We have our achievement system for the Nintendo Switch. And then so, you, so it, focus, it focuses and forces gamers to open their games, you know, the collectors that want to open them. But they open their games to complete the system, and, or the, to complete their game. Um, also, though, the developers created the challenge. So Loren Lemke, who created Super Blood Hockey, said, this is what I want it to be. And then we see a crap ton of posts that like, have these bleeding guts and ruptured kidneys and stuff all over social media about Super Blood Aki. Um, and then movie did the one for uh, Pigeon Dead. It was beat any of the games because this is a four-in-one game pack. So we put four games on one cartridge on the Switch. When you put the game in, it pops up all four games on your Switch. Um, so we did that as well. So it's something that we're doing a little different than a lot of the other companies as well because they would release it like individually. Um, because it's all by the same developer, we're like, it makes sense to put them all on one cartridge. In the future, um, I found out, because I, I did the art, right, and I don't want to reuse stuff, I found it was kind of challenging to try to incorporate all four games and characters into each art piece. So I think unless it's the same physical series, like Awesome P1 and 2, 
for example, I think I'm, we're gonna stay away from like a four pack unless it's like four of the same game, like one, two, three, four of the same series. Just because the artistic wise, it didn't quite mesh with me. Um, it was series two um, that we're doing, which are up for pre-order right now, is Demon's Tier Plus, which is like a gauntlet style game. And then it's a roguelike though too. And then a robot named Fight, which I'm wearing the t-shirt. <laughs> robot named Fight, which is the Metroidvania style place, just like Super Metroid. Four billion combinations. And then when we did the interview with Matt Bittner, who's the developer, he's like, it's not really four billion, it's four with 30 digits. <laughs> so it's way more than four billion combinations of the game. Um, and we're doing a strategy guide for that one. Uh, so our third tier that we're doing, which we are doing one per series, is we do the deluxe, which we're doing the Neo Geo box, which those Neo Geo boxes are from the same plant that made the Neo Geo AES cases back in the day. I found, I sourced that. So we got the exact cases um, from the place. They were cheap though, unfortunately. So like, um, we may be doing a fancier box, same size for the next series. We have to make it cooler, like maybe gild it in gold or something. Um, and then it comes with the full hardcover strategy guide for all four games in Pigeon Dead for this one. And it has full, like every level layouts, everything, how to do everything, techniques, and an interview with the developer here as well. Even to the point where when she got inspiration for Austin P, it was a box, and she sent me the picture of the box that was in Russia in, in the street that she got the idea to make the pixel. Like we went down to that as well as in the back of the book, um, the creation of the physical. So I actually went and how we created it. Gilded in silver, <laughs> like shiny on the side with a soft touch cover, like doing as much as we can to make it, you know, pop. Um, our steel books are embossed. Like this one's the first um, horizontal steel book uh, in the US and I think overall. And then there's a CRT inside, so it's like the TV for Pigeon Death. Um, and so we're going to be doing a glow-in-the-dark one for a robot named Fight. It'll be glow-in-the-dark as well as embossed. Let me see if I can keep that up. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then we're doing a strategy guide for a robot named Fight. Demon's Tear, we're going to be doing um, a... I don't know if you remember with Dragon Warrior, they did like a stack card. So there's multiple characters in Demon's Tear. We're going to do car stack cards like that inside of the retro edition, as well as a CD soundtrack. Um, and they're trying to push me to do another comic tip, so we'll see. And we're gonna do a poll in our Discord for that and see what people want. And so that's kind of how we're doing the retro side. Um, from a production side too, though, so for example, Paul does the art, right? Um, but what we're doing is, so pa Paul sent it to me digitally, but we have with Series 2, uh, the retro box is gonna be Super Nintendo, because it's like Super Metroid, right? So what I did was, is the artist that we have, a guy is super talented, he does his art on canvas. And he does it on wooden canvas. So he mailed me the canvas, and I'm scanning it in, and I'm doing all the copy, all the different pieces that Nintendo requires, plus the, plus the uh, title. And I'm actually making it like they made Super Nintendo boxes back in the 90s. And that's exactly how I'm doing that version of that box. Um, Demon's Tear, there was two, it, there was an art piece that they had that was just too awesome to not use for the retro box, so that's what's being used for that one, but that'll be a retro box for that, and I'm still going to be creating that as well the same way, but I won't be able to scan the art, but um, we did have him do a wooden canvas for Demon's Tear, but it's going to be utilized on the interior of the retail case as well. 
So um, we're going to be using stuff a little differently on each of those. But that's a little bit about what we do. I'm going to open up for questions because there's now about six of us in here. But if you have any questions on the Nintendo Switch publishing, like we have peeled back the onion on the Switch Mania Play Cash. We've had people come along with us for the ride. Because in reality, it is a confusing process. It is insane. It is expensive to make games on the Switch. So, for example, each one's over $100,000. It is just $40,000 just to do the cartridges. Because uh, you have to do a minimum of 5000 in the States, and the smallest cartridge is $8, so it's $40,000 from Nintendo, and they ship it over, and then you got to pay about a grand to get them in through the shipping, and then, like, it's insane. And then when we do each of these pieces, I mentioned all that. None of you could probably just spit back how I do, how we create them, because it's like a puzzle. It literally is like a puzzle. And going through the distribution channels and getting them to realize, oh no, you have to put it in this specific way so it all fits properly. So otherwise that pin, because we have an enamel pin in there as well, won't fit properly inside the deluxe box because it has to be fitted just a specific way. And it's interesting, to say the least, to go through all of those nuances. A lot of the other companies don't go down the rabbit hole with, with um, the strategy guides. Um, and the other piece, we're only doing a couple games at a time. So you notice I mentioned we did two. We didn't launch series, um, series two with Demon's Tier Plus and Robot Name Fight until we shipped those out. Um, minus the strategy guy, which is sitting in a port right now still. Like, hopefully we have good news next week. Release our release our So we can ship them to everyone. Um, but outside of that, though, Siri, and as soon as Series uh, 2 closes next week on the 15th, I'm going to order them. And then they're going to come in, and people aren't going to wait a year. <laughs> like, it's already approved. The only thing that's not approved is the guide, because I'm editing the guide still. Um, all the wikis online for Robot Name Fight, by the way, are wrong. They're not accurate. Like, I went with Matt, the developer. We're doing a developer's um, journal on a podcast. So I go, is the, um, in the boss rush mode, you find a unique version of the Mega Beast, the end boss, and it's blue. On the wikis, it says it's called Mega Beast Blue, and I think the guy who wrote the wiki just like Dragon Ball. Is yeah. that the name of it? Nope. <laughs> He's like, it's called the Beast Remnants because it's the remnants of the beast that are left over after it killed it. And he gave me the whole lore, and I'm like, this is why I'm on with you. <laughs> because we're going to have an accurate guide inside there. And then I am structuring that with a lot of Konami aesthetics. Because he liked the Konami fonts and things from back in the day with the Contra manuals and things. So the manual for a wedding fight has that. And the guide is going to have that. And then we're doing large sprites. So like the sprites are like screen filling that robot name fight. And I'm zooming them in. Like it's going to be like full pages of, of evil meat beasts and, and uh, the mouth meat. And I do, I do complete all the challenges, by the way. So I have the challenge patches for uh, Demon's Tear Plus and Robot Name Fight on my, my vest. More excuses to yeah. wear vests at the conventions. Um, but yeah, so I'll open it up, though, if y'all have any questions. Because I can ramble. <laughs> but if we do a back and forth, like, that's what I do. Uh, Apid Eric was also supposed to be here to, uh, to, to chill, but he drank too much last night. So he might be in, maybe. But he'll be around. He said that they were running late at 10 o'clock. <laughs> but what questions? You said it's confusing authorization to go through that. What's yeah. the biggest stumbling block you think developers get into or publishers get So the biggest stumbling block that publishers get into? Um, so the first piece is, is literally getting approved by Nintendo to do it. So you have to be approved by Nintendo. 
And I submitted mine three, four years back, and they approved me in 2020. Um, right when the Switch took off, I, I just met them like, hey, if they let me publish games, I'll publish games. I actually have two of the NES homebrew releases, actual Nintendo cartridges, on my table that I did with Hagen's Alley uh, years back. And I got, I got the, a couple, I think I brought 10 copies, I think six left on the table or something right now. But I brought those with too. Um, I was like, I'll do, I'll do legitimate, legitimate ones. Like my family knows that's all I want to do is make games as a kid. So like I will live the dream. And I do this as a hobby, by the way, on the side. I work full time too. <laughs> I work on the, I work full time and then I make Switch games on the side. <laughs> um, but it's that's the first piece getting approved by Nintendo and then all of their documentation is not right so they'll have documentation up there that says how you do stuff you do it to that documentation they're like nope that's not how, how we want it especially the cartridges because Nintendo makes the cartridges so they make them in Japan and ship them over so like those they have to have their artwork a specific way saved a specific way with the layers a specific way so the artist part side of me the developer part of me is like really? and they don't tell you that until you submit it once and then I submitted it the exact same way for series 2 and they denied it same way. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why is that? I did it the same way. So then I had to go back and forth and get it, to get it approved for Series 2. <laughs> like, it was like, but it, it literally gave you the same exact format. <laughs> so that's, I think, the biggest challenge. And I think a lot of the things, too, Nintendo only requires approval, technically, for everything that goes inside the case. So the, from the, because you have to use an official licensed Nintendo printer to do the Switch cases. Um, so they, Nintendo has to approve everything that goes inside that case. So some of the companies, they'll give you the cards on the outside of the box. They're probably not going to Nintendo for approval. Now, why I said technically, everything that's associated with your release at retail is supposed to be. Now, you can use the gray and say, well, it's not at a retail organization or retail store and do all that. And so when the current, some of the other publishers go, are you getting these approved by Nintendo? And every single page, yeah. I submitted the Pigeon Dev Guide and got it approved by Nintendo. All, what is it, 100, 200 pages? Oh, almost 200 pages, right? Yeah, all, all, almost 200 pages of the guide I got approved by Nintendo. They, um, ironically, so I did, like I said, the legacy of the physical in the back, right? We started with our logo, had a Switch case that was 3D that an artist designed for us, and they did not allow that. I already had the patches made, so that's the only place that that's actually released is on that patch. But... I talked about that story in the book and they wouldn't allow us to use the logo in the book to talk about them not allowing us to use the logo. <laughs> but it's approved. It's in there because we had a, a, an earlier version almost looked like the Bullet Club logo from Pro Wrestling. It was like previous games like the Bullet Club. So I used that and I used a current one. Um, but it wasn't as interesting as having the evolution of it in there. Um, but yeah, the Nintendo approval is an arduous process. Um, I, we get them to approve everything, but it's for the small stuff. Like I already know they're going to tell me, no, I can't use the seal of approval because I already asked. Um, so I already, everything got approved first time for Series 2 for me because I already knew outside of that damn cartridge because Nintendo <laughs> changed their standards. Um, but they're not as picky on the other stuff. They're looking for artistic things. Um, you also have to check with ESRB, though. So, you know, the ESRB, uh, you only have to have an ESRB rating on the retail 
uh, case. So the retail cases that are inside there have an ESRB on them. If it's E for everyone, and I decide to put a bloody corpse on the front, it's not gonna be approved by the ESRB. Nintendo might approve it, DSRB won't. So you have to toe that line too and make sure that you're doing it within your actual rating that you get on the, on the game as well. Yeah, because um, the, the thing they specifically asked us for with the slipcases is, is that going to retail? And I said, no, they're only on the website. Um, and our slipcases now, as I would come back to it for Series 2, slipcases are only going with pre-orders. So those that pre-ordered uh, Demon's Tear Plus and Robot Name Fight um, are going to get the slipcase in the sleeve. Um, and just from a production standpoint, it makes it simpler because uh, then I only have to order X amounts and then the other X amounts, I don't order those. And it, it saves us a little bit on production piece. What's up, Ed? <laughs> How you feeling? You good? Yeah. All right. Hi, He's live. <laughs> what? Wait, you put something under the chair? I'm oh. going to put something under the chair. Oh, okay. okay. So if you don't know, Ed created Echo the Dolphin in Chicago, hey, Furry Man, and a bunch of other shows. <laughs> Legend of the <laughs> Temple. Always grab his business card. You didn't give me one. You were... You were with me, three sheets to the wind yesterday. I'm, I'm just happy to see you vertical. Yeah, and, and aware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty bad, huh? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did a bottle of... I drink the entire pandemic. <laughs> so I, I fell off the wagon last night. Oh, well, and, and what I told Steve, who was with you, and Jay, was he made the mistake of going and debating with Jay from the Game Chasers while drinking. You never debate Jay while drinking. Yes. You can debate Jay, just not while you're drinking, unless your liver is like a steel. Did we do anything, or we just we just drank? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hung out and had a good time. This is some thick cardstock. I like it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, oh no, you're good. Eh? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we we had a good time last night, and then I drank a bottle of Pedialyte this morning. <laughs> It was one of those mornings. I was like, ah, I need some coffee in my system. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Um, so where were we now? That, uh, even on the playcast, I go down the river and we talk about stuff and I circle back. Um, Slipcases, part of the pre-order, right? For Demon's Tear Plus. And we're going to continually structure things. We're doing things slower than the other companies. So, I mean, you mentioned you're familiar with limited run games. Uh, they're E3. How many games do they announce? 25, 30? Um, we're doing two every six months. <laughs> so, um, we might be able to do three. Uh, we're gonna, we've been talking about for Series 3. But the problem is, is that we like to be as involved as we are with this with all of them giving them the time like I'm talking with the developer Matt on a continual basis right doing a journal I want to continue to do that um, we, we signed Cathedral which we announced in our, our direct so we do a premium direct like Nintendo um, we, we signed Cathedral uh, which is another Metroidvania that one needs a damn guide there's another game that's unannounced that needs a guide and so I gotta figure out a new way the Explorer's Handbook idea that we were talking about before we recorded that maybe that would be an idea. So say we do this size, like comic book size, which is the same size as the Super Nintendo manual, by the way. Um, but doing a little thicker and doing like the Explorer's Handbook like they had with Dragon Warrior uh, instead because it would be a lot faster and it would fit in the retro box. And so that way the retro edition comes with a strategy guide. It's just a mini strategy guide, essentially. 
Um, that's the idea we're tossing around. I like the hardcover guides, though. That's the only thing. Um, so I think we might be doing this as, as specialties. Um, they also take a lot, long time, and I don't want customers to have to wait a year to get their strategy guide. So there's that juggle as well. I could do those a lot faster, the, the smaller versions, a lot faster continually when it comes to the Switch. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing going forward with the, um, like as we evolve, we're going to make sure we do things smartly. Um, I mentioned that we might be changing the way we're doing the Neo Geo AES box and doing more of a hard cardstock, kind of like this thickness of a cardstock. And by the way, they shipped it to be damaged. Not even I get one copy shipped to me advanced and it came damaged. But hard cardstock, like th- say it's that thickness, and then it has like a flap with like a um, magnet that would keep it over and like solid. And then it opens up a little more space because the tray of the AES case takes up some space. And then I can add some more stuff to the deluxe. Because what I want to do is make sure that it's like a really good, because I'm a collector, really good value. I want everything in there, all of the things. That's why there's so much stuff just in our premium at $40 price point that crushes what people are doing at 60. And then our $60, we add this. The other companies are charging for Steelbook, a lot of money. It's like, no, we'll do it at 60. Um, and then our, our deluxes are 100 bucks with a full hardcover strategy guide and Neo Geo case and all the extra stuff. Like, we just wanna make sure it's a really good value. Um, I'm doing all of the creative, so it's not like I'm outsourcing, I'm doing it myself. So I just put in the time and knock them out. It's taking time away from my books, unfortunately. And I'm doing the Switchopedia, the Switch Collector. Volume one, volume two is in editing right now. I just finished it, which I was doing while I was working on series two. So I was not sleeping. <laughs> but uh, series, now volume three, which is the second half of year two of the Switch, and the first half is over 350 pages or something. Um, it's, and the first book was 300 pages, 312 pages. Uh, but the year three is gonna take a long time because I'm doing premium. And so I will still be having them come out, but the Switch will be in year seven, and I'll be doing the second half of year two. And then year three got so much larger, it'll take three volumes to, to do that. Because, and you'll see some of my books that I have there, I'm doing like three NES games per page and stuff. I'm doing one page for some of the smaller ones, and then like two page spreads for the larger ones, or four pages with art and stuff for, for all the games. We're doing the games justice within that, that guide. So I'm not going to um, subsidize, that's the right word, right? <laughs> subsidize quality when it comes to uh, just to get it out faster, if that makes sense. It's also why we're gonna go slow with premium, because I want it to be done right. That's why we're calling it modern retro done right, like we're going slow, we're doing it right, and we're doing retro. Um, it's kind of why we're, we're doing stuff that way. Also, as I mentioned, I work full time. So, don't have the time to uh, do 27 releases every uh, six months. <laughs> and the other thing is, too, is once you grow, you lose the small fun factor of things, right? Like the, the innate nature of creating something. Because, like, I could do six games. I couldn't do them. I'd have to have others do it. And then it wouldn't have the same style, the same flow. Um, now, mind you... Like Erica worked on, she did this and this design and that the Capcom design. And she did a lot of the design work and then I still put it all together. 
Um, but then I create some of the others myself and all of the pages inside the strategy guide. So Steve wrote it and gives it to me and then I design all the different pieces and make sure all, every single page pops. Um, so I would lose that, I feel, if I started to expand. Because uh, you, you would, you would have to. There's no way I could physically do all of that. Um, eventually, though, my daughter has to take over, right? So then I gotta lose it anyways. So, <laughs> so I mean, it'll, it'll, there'll be a time for it. And the thing is, is if demand gets overwhelming, I mean, we're gonna have to try to help people out too. Because I always said with the book side, if like 10 people enjoy what I'm doing, I'll do it forever. And if more than 10 people like my books, and I'm like, this is cool. With the Switch, we have minimum print runs. So it has to be like, well, the support's there. We will continue to go forward. We start getting to the point where we sell out in seconds. It's going to be insane because our um, we don't do limited prints, um, but we only but with the retros and the deluxes, we only print a set amount. Um, that's contradictory a little, but that's just from a production standpoint. So, for example, we do a thousand of the deluxes, a thousand of the retros. Once they'll sell out in the pre-order window, they're out. However, the Premiums, we do an open pre-order, and if we sell 18,000, we print 18,000. Um, for, to put things into perspective, Demon's Tier Plus, 5,000 print run for Nintendo in the US, by the way. There's gonna be 5,000. Robot Name Fight, I think it's gonna be 7,000. Right now, right now we're definitely closing in at the top of 6,000. That also means, though, there may not be any in hand after the pre-order window, which means they're, they're sold out, sold out. If we have any left over, bring them to conventions, things like that. Um, and I will always try to hold like 100 or something so I can come to conventions and bring like 10. But um, that being said though, uh, the Switch community is much, much, much different than the retro community. Like every day, because Barry from the Playcast does our customer service, every day people are like, hey, did this ship yet? We're like, it's... No, <laughs> no, it did not. It's like every day they're asking, and thousands of people. <laughs> Poor Barry. <laughs> every day he gets it. Um, but it's super interesting, though, because they're also really supportive and really positive at the same time. They just ask, and we're like, oh, no, here's the Discord where we pushed out the dates. Here's the Playcast where we talked about it. Here's the newsletters. And, and we, we have a Discord group that's insane right now, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I enjoy myself going in there, posting stuff. But um, yeah, so good question, right? Yeah. I can always go down the rabbit hole with questions. Any other questions? We got anything? Anything you want to know about the Switch in general? Because do some crazy stuff. Got some upcoming games too. I got a couple on the banners. Talk about those. Um, Sunshine Anthology, for example. We're doing some cool stuff with that. Um, questions first, otherwise I'll start talking about Sunshine. Okay. We'll talk about Sunshine. So... Um, during the first, right after the first series, a developer ran, ran into us and talked to us and said, hey, we got this game, showed it to us on Steam, it's going to be ported to the Switch called Camp Sunshine. It's basically like Friday the 13th, um, but you're being hunted by a killer bear. And he's like, wants to murder you. And he talks trash like Freddy Krueger. And there's retro horror aesthetics everywhere in the game. And it's more of a survival horror, um, more like, I don't know if you've heard of the game Clockwork, 
Um, and that is on the Super Nintendo as well as the PlayStation. I want to say Tower? Clock Tower. Yes. Yeah, like, Clockwork. There is a game called Clockwork. That's why I was getting my wires crossed. Okay. Clock Tower. And you're being chased by a guy with scissors, man. Um, so that one's kind of done in two day, two D. But you're kind of trying to survive. You really can't attack. That's how Camp Sunshine is. But it's all retro style graphics, 16-bit-ish, but you know they all sit there and don't stick to the limitations of retro. They do retro-inspired graphics. But yeah, 16-bit-ish, overhead, moving around. The game's so addicting, so awesome. You're on the camp, there's a whole lore to it. And he's like, and we're gonna work on a follow-up sequel that we're gonna take to Kickstarter. But you wanna do a physical with us? Like, can we put both on one cartridge? That was my first question, because I want, they're the same series. And so it's um, Sunshine Manor's the follow-up. I have, that's the big banner that's going to be on my table. So we, um, he said he had one dream. If he could have the original artist of Evil Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street do an art piece. And of course we found him and we got the art piece. And so that's going to be the exclusive for that Kickstarter edition. It's up for pre-order. Their backer kit is up for pre-order. It's on our site too, the links to it. They're closing that the same day as our series too, by the way. Um, but it, that art's there. It's for Sunshine Manor. Uh, and then we're going to do our own premium edition version because he, I want to say they're at 1,000, maybe 2,000 pre-orders when it came to the Kickstarter. So we have another 3,000 that we'll do the premium version of. And then if we get more pre-orders, obviously we'll do more. But, um, and then it's going to be exclusive um, Switch case, which is going to be the Graham Humphreys art. It's the guy, artist's name is Graham Humphreys. It's his art's going to be the case. Then we're going to do a different case for our version, but we are allowed to use it for the slipcase. And if you see the art on the table, the art is only of Sunshine Manor. Both games are on a cartridge. So on the flip side, I mentioned Paul Niemeyer does all our slipcases. He's going to do a Friday the 13th inspired Camp Sunshine on the other side. And it'll be flipped. And if you notice, you got a spine, right? I'm debating on putting it like that so that way we can display it either way and have a spine for both. That way, technically, you could have each one. I probably won't be that jerk that says Camp Sunshine and Sunshine Manor, because that would be, that would mess with my own OCD as a collector. Um, but I think it would be cool to have Sunshine Anthology with the different art pieces on it. So I, I'm gonna design that aesthetically. Um, now, Sunshine Manor does allow you to have an attack um, that artwork almost looks like I mean the main character she has red hair and glasses she almost looks like one of the characters with glasses from Earthbound or Mother Series so um, but she does a side blast so when the bad guys come after you it's like a big hooded guy um, when he comes after you you can do the side blast and he dissipates so you don't take damage instead because you can't outrun him like you can in Camp Sunshine and there's a whole di different uh, dimension lore. And there'll be an Easter egg in there where apparently myself and JP Swishmania and Barry are going to get killed in there somewhere in the game. I don't know where. I think he said I'm getting rocks dropped up there or something. That's cool. <laughs> I thought that was pretty rad though. Um, so that game though is still being worked on. Um, so that game will be finished. They're trying to finish it and be on the eShop by October-ish. So we may be taking it for pre-order in our Series 3, which would be a third game, right? Or potentially in Series 4. It really depends on when they finish it. Because the other piece is complete on cart, right? Collection. 
And part of the reason why physical is important in modern era is to preserve the games. And so if we release a game, a version of Sunshine Anthology, and then they patch it in two months because there were some bugs that break the game, now it's an incomplete game on cart, and essentially we would either need to reprint that or they ha- it's inherent that they have to have internet to have the complete version. So um, we try to get as complete in cart as possible. If something comes out later, um, like there's a game that we're going to sign, and I think like two years down the line they're going to add a crazy ass update to it and so we're like okay well we're we'll do our version if it's really really cool maybe we'll do a, like a definitive edition or something that's expanded edition if it's a whole full game or something if it's just an extra mode then okay we'll figure it out um my theory is though that hackers will allow us to get our dlc some way some way we'll be able to get it so it'll be preserved hmm? i hope so too because that's my thing is like there's so much stuff lost to the ether, and once they, once Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo take down their portals, it's it's gone. And so physical is super important. I love the collecting aspect, all the pieces. I love all that stuff. So um, I think he's telling. I don't think he was saying hi. By the way, I think he was telling me I got five minutes. <laughs> but to me, it's super important. But as from a collector's site too, but like, again, the digital stuff goes away. Um, and I mean, you mentioned limited run. That was their mentality too, is to preserve things. They now have went crazy. They do stuff for everything. Um, I think it's really cool they're doing Turbo Graphics CD stuff. I to the point, getting on that, where people now will like, when Scott Pilgrim got re-licensed yeah. to Ubisoft, it's not like they're a small enough publisher, Ubisoft, that they can't get a game now, but people expect it for through Ubisoft well, or through Limited Run? Well, like, I hope Limited Run does instead of like, I hope Ubisoft prints this. Yeah. It's kind of weird when you think about that well, mentality. Limited Run is no longer a small batch indie mm-hmm. publisher. They're a third-party publisher, um, and they're big. They got Konami licenses. They got all this stuff. So, like, we're not ever going to try to be Limited Run because we're going to go by the beat of our own drum, as we will. Um, like we're going to keep things small, keep things high quality and just, and also it creates a thing because we do the challenge patches, right? So we do the challenges when, when we ship out the games, it turns into premium week where everybody's doing the challenges. We're all hanging out, the developers interacting with all the, all the gamers and saying, Oh my God, I didn't know you could do this. Or cause I, I did this challenge a different way where I pulled the plug in super blood hockey in the actual story mode in, in the hospital bed when he had a sprained ankle killed him pulled the plug and all of a sudden he died from a sprained ankle <laughs> that's how i did my challenge patch um but like then you get to see that interaction and so like versus them where they're like huge now to the point where they're going to get all the biggest stuff i mean heck they're they got no more heroes no more heroes too they got you know they, they're getting as we mentioned konami they're in capcom stuff they're getting everything so and they should they were teasing Scott Pilgrim forever, so that's why I think people were like, oh, they should get that, because they were teasing it in their newsletters and all the extra stuff. You were printed all Sean as well. Yeah. On pretty much console. Yeah. And they're very good at making money, because they decided to do that statue that you have to buy only with the expanded one, and you don't get it for the other versions, and it all fits together like a puzzle, and I'm like, oh, you guys are smart. I'm not going to go that route. <laughs> like, that's why we did... Um, the upgrade for Super Blood Hockey so that way customers don't have to rebuy the game. 
we did not sell any sealed copies of that. Like it's only an upgrade because I'm like, I don't want to force customers and gamers to have to rebuy the thing that they already bought and supported us from the ground up. Like the, with the first series, everybody supported us because we didn't release anything. They hadn't seen what we've done and they supported us. I am not going to, you know, look that gift horse in the mouth, like take, take that and, you know, step on that good goodwill and good faith. Like we're, we do an upgrade and it's flat packed and it's sealed and it goes out to everyone, but like I'm not gonna recharge for the game. Now, if a collector can't open all their games and they gotta get the challenge packs and they have to buy two or something, that's on them. That's their own mental block or something. I open my games. <laughs> I, don't, I don't collect sealed. Um, but that's their own thing. Um, and you know, people collect variants, people collect all of the things, so. Man, he's really hardcore. Two minutes. So, um, I'll talk with y'all later. I'll be at the panel. I'll be at my table all day. Where you can find me, premiumeditiongames.com. I got business cards. Uh, premiumeditiongames.com. I'm at Hagen's Alley. Hagen's Alley. Hogan's Alley, but with A and an E. Um, Hagen's Alley on Facebook and the Twitter. And then Hagen's Alley Books on Instagram, because Hagen's Alley is already taken. Um, that's where I'm at for the whole book thing. I should still have some books on the table unless Steve, Steve uh, sold them all while I was in here. Um, there's some books, and then we got some games. I got a couple copies of the NES uh, Homebrew aftermarket games that I've released with different uh, creators. And um, we'll, we'll talk. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.